The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Habs and Minded. We're back, or at least I'm back. I've got a new house, I've got a new recording studio. We'll see how that works out. But uh, it's me, Patrick Bexel, and uh, after a month more or less of being off the air, you, you get to hear my lovely voice again. I'm joined by Jared Book, the new father of Eyes on the Price. All, all about adulting here at Eyes on the Price. You have a new house. I have a, a new baby. We're I'm a, still a child, though. <laughs> I was yeah, going to no, say, no, no, at no. least we have Anton around. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like me and Pat are probably two of the oldest people at Eyes on the Prize anyway as well. So. Yeah, well. Well, someone has to be oldest, and it's probably me, so it's fine. Uh, anyways, we, we have a lot to discuss this in this episode, and obviously we got to give a shout-out to Matt Drake as well with his uh, bottom six minutes that you... Uh, probably have heard if you subscribe to this channel and and please do because we uh, we uh, like to to see as many listeners as possible for our podcast and and that's part of it uh, Matt has done a great job and and continue to to listen to his um, insights as well or, or rants depending on how, how it goes uh, but yeah we have had a road trip and it has been a disastrous one even if it might have actually been better because Montreal won one game where they normally don't win anything over in California. Yeah, you know, the, 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 bad, the, the bad part is that we can't even use the excuse of, oh, the California teams are good because they aren't. So usually, you know, in, in, the, in the late 90s, uh, you know, through the 2000s, you know, that trip was, was hard because they were good teams. You know, San Jose was a contender. Anaheim was a contender. L.A., you know, won two Stanley Cups, you know, and, and uh, obviously Seattle, you know. And they is, have is always one. been good. Yeah, they have never missed the playoffs. In no, exactly. Um, they had a banner racing as well. Let's, they raised the banner this year. So for for the Mo- Metropolitans. That's also yeah. weird. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I, I don't mind it. I, I don't mind them raising it, to be honest. Um, Anyways. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it, well, the, 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 the thing that happens is that it is it, it, it you don't you know these aren't good teams, right? Like that that's that's the that's the main issue here is that you know they're they're losing games, they're not looking very good, and the teams they're facing aren't that good. So it, it's just yeah, there's there's no you know the best part you can, the best thing you can say about this road trip, at least from a uh, east coast uh, eastern time zone perspective. Is that at least two of the losses didn't come at one o'clock in the morning? And you didn't have to stay up to see them, right? Right, exactly. They are their afternoon games, so that's easier for you, and it's easier for us as well. Yeah. So you know, it, it all that, that was the best part. 
well you know i had to stay up to watch them it was uh, more or less one o'clock when they were finished here so yeah well i mean opposed to what a regular game would be four o'clock right yeah but yeah. normally they, last year they won those games so it's fine <laughs> well yeah exactly yeah <laughs> nah, there's no, there's no mean, like there's no vancouver on this on this road trip we um let's be honest uh, quite a few of us were hesitant about this season going into it uh you, you looked at the atlantic division you were thinking maybe um fourth maybe fifth spot something around there but but it seems to be yeah it's 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 going to be a struggle to even reach those heights yeah with this kind of start absolutely and uh the weird thing is like player for player montreal is not that bad but this team is just like not functioning together at all and we talked about that last week me and jerry that like obviously there have been a lot of there's been a lot of change but you still would like to see you know just some kind of organized attack or an organized defense or you know some kind of organization and it's just not there um and obviously yeah the youngsters are struggling as well but it's kind of expected when the older guys can't you know lead the way uh when there is you know basically no one who is playing up to their normal standard um obviously you're going to lose more than you're going to win and yeah it, it it just those two wins have been so strange as well because it's been like you know dominant wins goal wise it's it's kind of been like everything has kind of just come together you kind of get these goals that you are not getting in the other games and then just get absolutely nothing in the other ones and just like lose with several goals all the time and you let in a lot of goals um so it's just like all of those struggles that we've seen from the start of the well basically after the first 10 games of the last season they've just continued and just excelled um obviously not counting the Stanley Cup playoff run run but just the regular season games it's it's just been a roller coaster from 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 the winter and in and basically the season before that as well and we saw uh, during last night's game against uh, or afternoon game against the Anaheim Ducks um we we did see the fact that one of the older guys he wanted to lead he wanted to showcase and it turned out quite badly because Paquette hit uh, Segras quite bad and and uh, is looking to be suspended let's let's agree on that we don't know yet because obviously Detman has just finished a, a press conference that was on a similar level to the Crown's press conference for the KHL a couple of years ago but but um, we, we're sort of expecting a suspension for Paquette, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, you don't usually have a hearing and then they say, oh, you know what? Never mind. You know, like it, it's, it's, it's rare. Uh, I would expect, you know, a game. And, and that's kind of the, the, the hit that they want to take out of the game, right? There, there's, no, there's no intent to play the puck. There's no intent to, to do anything uh other than than hit the opponent and and that can be good obviously but you know going like halfway you know pretty much the entire length of the ice to do it and then it's almost from behind like no the, you know the, the only thing that that he's kind of lucky on is that he didn't uh he didn't you know hit him right in the back and there wasn't a significant injury because that obviously adds to any kind of suspension that would happen right so yeah it was a bad hit i i would expect it to be 
um, at least a game, you know, probably not too long, but at least something from it. Yeah. You, you mentioned this is, these are the hits that we're trying to, to take out of the game. And I was, I was looking at it just during the game last night and, and I haven't watched it again because I, I don't like those hits either. He, he comes from afar, but it doesn't seem to be taking more than three strides, which is the old rule. I, I'm actually not sure if it still is a rule, but uh, for charging, but he hits him as uh, Segras is lucky to turn and, and he hits the shoulder first. And I think he actually, it, it's the way the head hits the glass that, that is causing the, the injury more or less. But I, I agree. And, and uh, the debate here in Sweden, as Anton is well aware of as well, is more the fact that a player also has a responsibility to protect themselves from those hits. You can't just turn. And, and I think Segras did because he actually did turn into and, and protect himself with his shoulder um so i can understand that you know in 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 any ways i expected a i, I said it was a dirty hit at, at a time and i think it still is and obviously with a smaller rink size that that you have in uh, in nhl it's it's not as easy to get away from it either and just take a sidestep or, or or anything because you can turn so much faster and, and player comes with obviously bigger bigger players uh, more speed um, this has led to to some stuff happening well, well more or less while we were waiting for this to be recorded Cole Cowfield has been sent down to Laval according to different journalists in Montreal media um, Ducharme spoke with uh, Cowfield in during this uh, before being sent down this morning in in regards to this morning and uh, explained his thought process uh, saying that uh, Calfield played on his heels uh, said that Calfield was uh, holding on to the stick a little bit too hard not getting those touches that he got last year etc etc and and he needs to go back down and find that in Laval obviously we've seen some terrible hits in Laval as well with with regards to the Pasera hit, uh, to, to the Parquet hit, but also um, yeah, I mean why don't you just play him or just play him higher up and higher the lineup? I mean, is this a structural problem? La if you looked at it, the center depth last year was uh, quite good. You had Dano, you had Suzuki, you had Kotkaniemi, and you had whoever turned into to a fourth line center at the time, but where is is are the centers the problem with Calfield right now that he doesn't get those passes? He with with Dano gone and and um, gone, Suzuki is getting a tougher matchup, and you can't have him and and Calfield maybe getting an easier ride playing against the second or third line. I, I don't I don't think it's necessarily the center's problem. I, I think it's I, I think it's it's a sign that Caulfield is, you know, put a lot of pressure on his shoulders because that's what he does as a player. That's that's what he does. And 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 also, you know, this team needed him to be a top player. That that was the kind of uh the, the kind of indication that they, they needed, right? That like they needed this whole thing to be to kind of work out and be, you know, they needed Suzuki to be a number one center. They needed Caulfield to be a number one winger. And, and that's, that's what, you know, that's part of the reason why this team is, is struggling 
is that they aren't doing that. So I think, yes, Caulfield did put a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Absolutely. And I think that he is holding the stick a little bit tight and he's forgetting what makes him good. And he's trying to do everything, which at the NHL level, you know, you're not able to do. It's just not possible. So I definitely think that that is part of it. And I think that this is a clear message that they have learned from their previous mistakes because there have been a lot of rookies that have struggled on this Canadians team and they haven't pulled the plug quickly enough, right? You know, they, they haven't usually pulled guys out at the first sign of struggle and they give Caulfield an opportunity and they're telling him now to, you know, take a breath and, and go back to level, find your confidence again. And I think that it, from an organizational perspective, it's, it's a smart move. It's a good move. Uh, but I, I think it's also very clear that this, that the Montreal Canadians are now focusing on the organization and not on the Montreal Canadians. This is not a, a move to make the Montreal Canadians better this season. It just no, is no. And, and, and if you were going to, if, even if, if you were going to make that argument, you don't call up Michael Pizzetta, nothing against Michael Pizzetta, but this is a clear message to the team to be like, we want you to put effort in like Michael Pizzetta does because the Lyle Rocket have the guy who's second in the league in goal scoring right now in the AHL. It's Laurent Dauphin, and they didn't call him up. They called Cole Caulfield up. Uh, they, they called Michael Pizzetta up, sorry. Uh, so that's a message, right? Like they, they have guys in Laval who can be what they want Cole Caulfield to be. Michael Pizzetta is not that. So at a certain point, this is a clear message that, you know what, maybe this season is not going to go the way we thought it was. So let's try and, you know, make our team better down the road. And I think that's what they're trying to do. John Lou has just published an injury update here with uh, Gallagher and Petrie being game time decisions against Detroit. Edmondson has suffered a setback and is 10 days, about two weeks away. Norlander is cleared for full contact practices. And depending on his practice, he might see some game action. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's kind of the way the season's going, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that, that like, obviously, since you have the opportunity to send someone like Cole Caulfield down to the AHL, where he has already excelled in the few games he played there last season, um, it's a good move to just, like, there are more players in the Montreal lineup who would benefit from a stint in Laval right now. Uh, but unfortunately, you can't do that because they're not waivers exempt. Um, so now that you have, like, this golden boy um, that has... He has produced wherever he has been and, and he has broken the goal record in for the junior team and everything. You know that you're sitting with, you know, a queen or a jack or, or even an ace there on your hand and you don't want to just waste it. Um, and we have seen that in the past with talents who have been similar to Caulfield, that Montreal has just been, you know, trying to, you know, just play them through it so that they will kind of learn it the hard way that the NHL is tough and that you need to, you know, you need, you need to have the right mentality to succeed. And, and it just hasn't worked out with the guys who have been picked high up in the, well, uh, been picked high in the draft. We, we saw it during the sophomore season of Jesperi Kotkaniemi and we saw it with an Alex Gelchenyuk, for example. And uh, I think it's, it's just good for Cole Caulfield to feel like, well, now he goes from being the guy who's supposed to save the Canadians from a, you know, a tumultuous bad season and just can go into Laval and just play his game for 
however long it takes. It doesn't matter how long he's there, really, because the Canadians at this point not really anything to win. Um, yeah, for except for, for like, the lottery. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, like, I mean, this this season, like, even if I I would never say I never want to say never because we we just witnessed a couple of years ago a team in St. Louis who. Uh, uh, were last in the NHL in December, and then they turned it around and won the Stanley Cup. So who knows what could end up happening down the line, but as it looks right now, it just looks like a dumpster fire, and then you might as well protect your future assets. The yeah, one thing, and, and, the, and, the one asset that you can't really protect is and, or cause some problems is Romanov, though, who, who is also very, very exempt, but he has that KHL out clause. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's tough because, I mean, at the same time, I, I think that there's more options at forward, you know, unless Norlander, because you have the Petrie injury as well, right, looming over this team, right? So unless, uh, unless Nor- Norlander is ready for a game action, and, you know, do you really, you know, that's, that's questionable at this point, um, you consider he just got back to skating today on, on Monday, do you really want to put, throw him into a game and then you have Petrie who might not play? You have uh, an extra D, you know, there in, in Weidman or Niku, whichever one doesn't end up playing. But, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's a lot to balance. But at the same time, I don't think Romanov is, is doing his job fine. Like, I feel like he is more he is to al- learn at the NHL level. I was going to say, he has already equaled his goal tally from last season. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's a young defenseman and he's improving. He's, he's looking to, to do it. But I, I don't think he needs necessarily... Uh, a trip to the AHL, it wouldn't, I wouldn't hurt, obviously, but I, I think that he's still a big part of this team. Uh, whereas, you know, coffee, you know, it, it comes down to forward defense, right? You have 12 forwards, you have six defense. It, it's, it's easier to, you know, send this forward down and, and call up something like presentable. You can do call up Xavier Willette. Um, You know, like I said, I, I think that this is a message that this team is kind of not wanting to hurt Laval very much either. Right. Like, they, they could have called up a bunch of guys that play bigger roles on Laval than Michael Pozzetta. You know, Michael Pozzetta is a third-line winger on this Rocket team. So I think this is a message, not so much to the guys like Laurent Dauphin, Ryan Paling, Jesse Ullinen. I, I don't think it's, it's a message to them. I think it's a message to the guys on the team, and I think it's a message to, to the Laval Rocket and Jean-Francois Houle that, hey, we, we want the Rocket to be good this year. I, I think that, that you know that that's the message. They want the Rocket to make the playoffs. On the other hand, you can also say that Cole Caulfield was the third line winger. So, you know, you bring up another in the third NHL, line right? Yeah. Michael Michael Pozzetta is not going to play third line minutes in the NHL, and if he does, well, I mean, well, then we know where the season is going, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, basically. I mean, nothing against Michael Pozzetta. Look, Michael Pozzetta. Look, he has had a great. I don't know what he did this summer, but he should bottle that up and sell it because he'll make a lot of money. Because he was a healthy scratch in the AHL for a lot of last season. And this year, he came to camp. He looked good in the NHL. He earned some spots in preseason. And look, he played his way into this. This is not a gift. He played his way here. You know, he, I don't, like I said, I don't know what, what he did, but he looks like a different player. He's not very skilled. The goals that he scored have mostly been by, you know, going to the net. And maybe that's the message they want to send. Right. You know, they, they need guys to get goals in ways that uh, are not usually are not about skill. Right. Like 
the Canadians just need goals at this point. You know, look at you know Jake Evans' goal yesterday was a was a good example of that. Like they just need goals, and you know Michael Pozzetta is going to work hard. You know, it's not a question of effort with Michael Pozzetta. So you know maybe that's a message to the rest of the team and say, listen, this guy is going to show you the way. You know, we we need someone to kind of bring some energy to this team, and and I think that that's maybe what they're they're looking for here. Because like I said, they have better players in Laval. And that, like I said, it's nothing against Michael Pozzetta. But he's not the best player they could have called up to help this NHL team. But he might be the right player. But and and it, I guess I will tell. It's just fun to think of because I remember doing the uh, top 25 under 25 list <laughs> a couple of months ago. And I, might... I placed I placed Michael Pozzetta second to last, I think. Because well, I was just thinking, I, I, I... there is no way in hell that he's ever going to be called up to the NHL level. He was a healthy scratch in the AHL. He's already 23. He's approaching like that 25-year limit. Like, there is no way. And here we are, one successful preseason later, six points in eight games in Laval, and he's looked good. And then just like, well, he has the, you know, he has the tangibles to be a fourth liner in the NHL. Now it's just up to him to show it. Like, well, you know, yeah, a lot can change in a few months. <laughs> you know what? We, we get a lot of uh, slack on the the um, top 2525 because we're, we're too high on guys. And there's a lot of ten, top 10 guys who have been in the top 10 and top 25 under 25 who've never played an NHL game. Yeah. I think Michael, Michael Pozzetta might be the lowest ranked player to ever play an NHL game. Yeah. I'm not even I joking so. about that. No, I think so. Well. I, I, I don't have numbers in front of me, but you know, look, we have to give credit to Michael Pozzetta. Yeah, we really do. We really do because he did at no point last season. Did he look like a potential NHL player? Uh, unless, you know, a lot of things happened, a lot of guys got hurt. This is credit to him. And, and and I don't want to take anything away from him saying he's not the most talented player in Laval. That, that's, I, that's not what I'm saying here. But credit to him. Absolute credit to him. Because there is... N- I watched Laval all last season. I watched Laval pretty much all the season before that. He's a completely different player now. I still don't know how good he'll be in the NHL. I'll be completely honest about that. But uh, having said that, I, I, I definitely... I'm going to be intrigued. And, and look, it's a message to everybody in this organization to be like, listen, if you do the things that make you that work hard and, and do the right things to make you a, a top player and, and work hard and do the right things, there's an NHL job for you. I thought you were and, going to say, I thought you were going to say something along the lines of like, if Michael Petsetta can do it, then anyone can. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's not just that. I mean, look, he got drafted. Yeah. You know, not many players get drafted. He he got a second contract after his entry level contract expired. Not many players do that. He's already beaten the odds, right? Like it's it's a bunch of things that he uh, he's done to to put himself in the picture. He has worked for this, and I don't want to say he's a bad player, but you know, he really changed the the, the conversation around him. He really did. Uh, he you know he went to camp, said he had nothing to lose. And you know what, <laughs> you know, that maybe that was the right attitude. Maybe that's, that's the problem, you know, with, with the, not with this team, but just in general, is that they're, they're playing tight right now. And yeah. one thing, you know, for sure is that Michael Pizzetta is going to go out there on Tuesday if he makes his NHL debut and he is just going to go all out and not care if he gives the puck away. And maybe that's what this team needs. Maybe this team is thinking too hard. And I know, let me, let me rephrase that. This team is definitely thinking too hard. Yeah. Right. They're, they're, they're in their heads. They have no confidence. They have no 
um, ability to, to figure out what they're doing. And I, and I definitely think that a guy like Michael Bozzetta might send the right message to this team right now in that they can just be like, listen, just, just go for it. Don't think. Just act. Uh, yeah, I just want to say on that as well. I think there is a reason why Jonathan Bruin is the best, uh, like the best point getter on the team as of now, because he has just had a period where he has been, you know, off from hockey, feeling unwell and everything. So he's just going out there and playing hockey and enjoying it, even if it, you know, it doesn't go well for for the team right now. But but he has a mindset that is probably somewhere else from the rest of the team that just went to the Stanley Cup Finals and expect so much of themselves they expect to repeat it they expect to win something they expect to go far and then when they see this they just like lock up and it just nothing works also you have to yeah. remember that Brian probably spoke with someone professionally and also has probably gotten some tools yeah. to to help him think outside of the box and i remember speaking to to um, christian folin when he was part of the montreal canadians and and i asked him about that like do you go to someone professionally uh, to, to speak about what, when tough things happen in the team or, or, or for yourself? And he was like, no, the, the team provides someone that can, a, a counselor that can, that you can talk to, but you never do it. And, and, you know, in recent uh, retrospect with what happens with Blackhawks and, and other things and what we see Kerry Price going through and, and Rouen as a shining example of, of taking a timeout and succeeding, um, I think maybe uh, more uh, players and, and maybe more men in general needs to consider this option that you have someone to talk to professionally and, and you should probably use it. Yeah, we just saw Kelvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons take a, take an un, undefined break as well. Now, yesterday, um, he came out and said that um, that he wasn't feeling well and that he needed to take a step away. So, so it becomes more and more common uh, to at least address it. Uh, and I think that there have been all these issues. They've always been there. And especially since the creation of social media, where you can really see um, all of the reactions instantly if you're playing bad or if you're playing good. Um, but it's just like there has something has changed during just, well, basically during just this year. Um, and and hope, like hopefully it will continue. I think that Jonathan Rouen will be a great asset for, for that movement moving forward. And hopefully Carey Price can, can make uh, the same journey forward. We have to remember Naomi Osaka as well and, and yeah. her step out of... of of Wimbledon tournament and and everything and you know fair play to to these trailblazers or pathfinders and, and showcasing for others what you can do and maybe what you have to do in order to succeed for long term. Um, obviously in Montreal there is a lot of talk about about Weber. We we had that news as well this week where you know there, there was talk about uh, him retiring and and what words were being used in different languages and different media and uh one thing seems to be certain he's not coming back is he no 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 <laughs> no i i i think that you know it, it was it's always been kind of clear that that's been the way it's going uh i i don't think that there's anybody who would have you know they, they left the door open but i think that if you read between the lines it was pretty clear you know if if you're an injured player and there's a chance that you're coming back this season you're not at home in bc Right, like injured players stay with the team, you know. Unless you're a situation like Jonathan Drouin, you know, there's there are certain you know exceptions to this rule. Obviously, I'm not saying that uh, every you know, but if you're injured, 
in the way that Weber's injured and in that it's a lower body injury and, you know, several lower body injuries by the sounds of it, um, you, you rehab with the team, right? Like you, you take, you take your house in Montreal and, and you stay there and that's where you are. Even if you're not with the team, you're still in the city or in the province or, you know, there's, there's lots of signs that Shea Weber was not expected to be back this season. And, you know, it was always a question of maybe down the road. Uh, but I think that down the road is, is, is closed as well. Is it his leadership that is missing in these tougher circumstances? Yeah, well, they haven't, they haven't replaced it. And, and that was a problem, problem as well, because you couldn't really replace it because he, he hasn't retired yet uh, officially. And, and you didn't really... Like you didn't expect to lose both Price and and Weber's leadership uh, from the team as as you know swiftly as you did. No, the, the, I, 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 yeah, that, that's the whole thing, right? Like you, they have gone through stretches without Carey Price. They have gone through stretches without Shea Weber. They have gone through stretches without Paul Byron. They have not gone through stretches without Price, without Weber, without Byron. And and without Edmonton and there, there look, there's a lot of leaders who are missing, mm. and we we've talked about how this team is, you know, it, it's I don't think it, I really I really truly truly don't think it's a talent issue, I don't think it's an effort issue, I, I think that it's just a team that is so far down in their heads right now, and you need someone to kind of step up and and get out of it, and I don't know if they have that guy right now, you know, even Gallagher is out now. Right. Like mm. it's there's there's a lot of leadership. You know, Petrie is is kind of banged up now. Like that's a lot of guys who are not 100 percent health wise. And we're what, 10 games into the season? Is <laughs> like due to the Stanley Cup playoffs, has there been too short of a uh, off season for these guys to rehab? If I mean, like I, I understand you go through the playoffs and, and you've got to play half in, uh, injured. Not half injured, but but in, you're going to play injured because it's a once in a lifetime one, especially when you reach the final. But ha, did, did they play for for too long, or or w- did they aggravate the injuries? These are some questions that needs to be asked. I, I think I think that's part of it. That I, I think it's it's a possibility, but I mean, half this team didn't play in the playoffs last year, right? Like you know, Jonathan Joy, uh, Matthew Perot. Uh, Right. Cedric Paquette, uh, David Savard, you know, mm. a lot of these guys, well, a lot of the guys who played. Right. Well, yeah, it's true. Yeah. He played, but not, <laughs> not on Montreal. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys didn't have that, that opportunity to, to make the, like they had a regular off season. Right. And, and maybe that's part of why, you know, Jouet is, is playing well. Mike Hoffman is playing well. Maybe that's part of it, but I mean, it can't be the, the excuse for everybody. I mean, yeah, you know, Tampa started slow too. It's definitely real to have a um, a, a short summer, especially after you had such a long one the, the year before. In in that it was like disjointed, and you know they're still getting into the routines. And yeah, it's it can be a factor. Is that a factor why they're they're a little bit more banged up than they would be? Possibly. We don't know the nature of of Petrie and Gallagher's injuries. We know that obviously they were hurt in the playoffs. So is this part of that? Is that related? Who knows? You know, it, it's is it behind Weber's injury? Partially, yeah. Prices, well, I mean, the first part of the season, yes, but what Price is going through now, no, or at least not that we know of. It's hard to, you know, we don't want to speculate on that. So it, it's just a tough situation, it, it, all around tough situation. And, you know, we talked about, you talked about off the top, Pat, 
right? You said that there were some expectations that this season could go well. There is there is some skepticism, but there was a path, right? Kind of like before the, the, the Maple Leaf series started, right? The, the odds are is that they were going to lose, but there was a path. There was a path for this team to make the playoffs if certain things went right. But we also knew that if everything went wrong, that this could be really bad. And right now, I'm not going to say everything has gone wrong, but there certainly isn't much going right. Well, one thing is going right, and that's Shane Wright. Well, to be fair, he's not the consensus overall pick, first overall pick anymore. I mean, he's facing some challenges from, from some very interesting Europeans. And, you know, the keen Sweden yeah, scout is on the pod today. So, look, you know, yeah, you know, come on. Yeah. Okay. Look, I've, I've heard this story before. You know, Austin Matthews, oh, you know, he might not be the number one pick. There's Patrick well, Liney. There's Nolan Patrick. Nolan Patrick. Nolan Patrick. Nolan Patrick. Well, there well, I mean, was actually... Nolan Patrick wasn't seen as a top, like he was a top he... prospect, but he wasn't seen as a no, top he, prospect. He was, he was seen as a consensus first overall pick at the beginning consensus, of that yes. season. Consensus first overall pick, but not like a superstar. No, no, no. no right? sure, there were sure. questions. Yeah. Um, you know, Connor McDavid, there was talks about, you know, Jack Eichel. And, and Jack Eichel is a good player, but mm. not Connor McDavid. Uh, Ty- Taylor Hall, Tyler Sege, right? Like it, it's Hughes. very. Alexis Lafreniere is another good example of that, right? Yeah. Like he was a consensus number one. Then they're like, oh, wait, there's these other guys. You know, Jack Hughes is another Yeah, but that started that. much later during the season. This has started this summer, really. So, you know, uh, I'm just saying. Has it really? I, I don't think, like. I, 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 would be, I would be shocked. And it depends, obviously, who wins the lottery. Yeah, but we, and, last, and like last year I, I we shocked. said we were sitting here and talking about some Canadian kid playing in Finland, right? who's gone off the boards and he's not even included Fred in Lambert. the under 20 to- tournament or for Finland. Demon. Yeah. Atura- Atur- yeah. Okay. But it, like that was the same with Aturatu um, from yeah. last year. It, ha- it happens. It happens. Yes. Guys fall down, but not the consensus top overall pick, but like, if, we've, if been talk- we, yeah, we've been like, talking about Shane, Wright. We've been talking about Shane, Wright For two, three years. Yeah. I was going to say like, if you check his profile on elite prospects, uh, for example, everyone has him as number one there. Um, so, yeah, but those so, like, are stats from like what two two months ago, three months ago. I don't think so. It's it's let, let's put it this way, Pat. It's very hard for a guy who's been consensus number one for the last two three years to fall out of that spot. It, that's just the way it is. And and you know, I'm not saying that there's not going to be other good players in that draft. There are definitely good top players, but I think it'd be, I'd be very surprised if the consensus didn't have Shane Wright as the number one pick. That doesn't mean he's going to be a top player out of the draft, but. I'd be very surprised if it changes that much. A, a good example of this is, is probably um, Rasmus Dalin is probably the best, the most recent example of this, right? There was a lot of talk about him being number one overall for a couple of years. And then Svechnikov kind of creeped up a little bit uh, to the point where some people put him number one. But, you know, as it turned out, that might have been the right way to go. But at the same time, it didn't really change the the pre-draft rankings too much. So yeah, I'm, there's, it's a good draft this year. Look, if you're going to be bad, like the Montreal Canadiens are, it's a good year to be bad. I still and, wish they were, you know, waiting until next year though. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It yeah, but I mean, there's no guarantee they'll be much better next year. Anyway. No, 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 no. Sure. <laughs> um, but but I, I, no, I, I, don't turn off the podcast. Uh, keep 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 reading about the team, um, but no, I mean it's there's no guarantee they'll be better next year. But at the same time, you know, I, I think I, I can speak for for a lot of 
people around the Canadians when I say, you know, if they're bad, just don't pick third overall, please. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you, you want to trade that to fourth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just trade down to the team that finished fourth. Like, do you want to pick back? No, no, no. Just take the pick. Just take it. Just take it. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll take our chances. <laughs> Whoever falls to us. We know there are two Russian kids that are, are, are on the rise and it would be interesting to uh, follow them closely. And, yeah. and uh, you know, ne next, next year, next year, I mean, it, it, it can be good if you're in the top three anywhere. Right. Because yeah. ne next year is the, you know, the, there's, you mentioned uh, the Russian players. Yeah. But uh, there are two Russians Bedard. coming into this year. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. But then obviously um, it's it's uh, Mishkov next year. Yeah, Mishkov, Connor Bedard is next year as well. Exactly. Right? Is that yeah? So I mean, yeah, it, it, it's it's there, there's a lot of uh, fun prospects on the board. Uh, let's put it that way. So speaking about uh, prospects, there are two that we need to mention that actually has have relations. And uh, Anton knows that uh, one of my favorite arenas is Engelholm in in uh, Skåne. It's the Ruggles Arena. And yeah, I've uh, been there as well. Yeah. I know. That's why you know it's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, they are hosting the Four Nations, the last season, uh, the last tournament for the under twenties before the World uh, Championship, uh, World Junior Championship roster uh, rosters comes out, and uh, Finland's roster will not have any cuts before this tournament, and and Oliver Kapanen is in that, and it, we were looking forward to see him, uh, and uh, Dmitri. Kostenko is in Russia squad, which will have some cuts prior to that tournament. Um, it would be very interesting. I have applied for uh, for credentials. I haven't heard back from the uh, uh, Swedish Federation yet, so so we need to wait for that. But hopefully, I will be on um, in the stands and and watching our Hobbs prospects live. Uh, when I have a chance and hopefully get some interviews with them as well. Uh, it's a good thing that at least two of them are, are uh, in for the World Junior spots. We know Mishak will probably be there for, for the Czech Republic, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty pretty clear bet. I, I'd be surprised if he wasn't part of that leadership group, right? I mean, yeah, you're, he was you're more connected. Last year, so he was, he yeah, 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 exactly. He was, he was part. Of, you know, he was part of leadership group last year. So, yeah, I, I would be very surprised if he doesn't make it. You know, both in Europe and and in North America, the one thing you can say is at least the Canadians' prospects are playing well, right? Like, you know, yeah. the, the the guys in the queue, uh, Kidney and and Roy are, are are playing well. You know, the, the guys in Europe, and ho you know, hopefully we get some, you know. Uh, obviously there's the elephant in the room that in the OHL, uh, but uh, hopefully we get some game film on him uh, at some point in the next year. And, you know, it's that, that's, that's one thing where at least that's, that's going well. Because... It's very interesting. I, I don't know who's, um, I know that Friedrich Dishov is not part of the pre-Olympic tournament or, or games here for Denmark, but it could be, mean i mean frederick anderson is probably going to be there for from the nhl but he has the chance to beat out one of the danish goalies for a third spot which could mean that he would be the only uh, Habs player in the olympics right yeah i i guess so i, I mean i i yeah i guess that's true i mean i i don't and, expect 
I don't Finland? expect anybody from Canada to, to get there. I was um, gonna say Armia, Lekkonen, somewhere. Yeah, F- Finland. Finland is obviously the one you have to circle. I, yeah. I think that that's um, Romanov. Maybe has an outside shot um, yeah. at, at at making the Russian team. Um, you know, he's not gonna be a big contributor. But let's face it, neither is, is Dishao. If we're talking about um, if we're talking about that, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's gonna be. Interesting to see. I mean, obviously, Jeff Petrie is a possibility on the U.S. team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's you know, Cole Caulfield is still a possibility on the U.S. team. Um, there's still, you know, I don't think that at this point he'll necessarily make it there. But, you know, he, if he goes to a, if he goes to Laval and scores a lot of goals and then goes to Montreal and continues scoring, then, you know, he has to be in the picture. But I think it's probably four years too early for, for Caulfield. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. I, I don't know if there's anybody that really jumps out at, at you know, Christian Dvorak. Christian Dvorak might make the U.S. team. Now that I think about it, I think that, you know, obviously there, there's a lot of good centers on, on that team, but we'll, we'll have to see. But, yeah, it's it's going to come down to Finland. <laughs> Finland. Finland and Denmark is what, probably what it's going to come down to for, for Canadians at the Olympics. We, as you hear, we have two very interesting tournaments coming up anyway. And yeah. obviously the world under 18s uh, down the line, uh, rather close to the draft. But uh, yeah. The World is- Juniors is going to be really interesting though. I, I think there's going to be a lot of Canadian content there. Uh, Canadians content. <laughs> obviously mm. there's going to be Canadian content. There's going to be a team in Canada uh, and the tournaments in Canada. But, but I mean, the, there's going to be a lot of Canadians content. And, and even if guys like Joshua and, and Riley Kinney don't make Team Canada, um, you know, William Trudeau is in that picture as well, but there's going to be a lot of Europeans uh, in the picture, and, and they're they're going to play big roles. Um, it, it has the potential to be a lot like you know 2012 when they had Fakali and Lekkinen and uh, Rivai and uh, De La Rose. De La Rose. I think, yeah, yeah. De La Rose. You know, three captains, it's going to be, wasn't it? Lekkinen. Yeah, it was three three captains, <laughs> three captains, and the, and the gold medal winning goalie. I mean, that's you know, wow. It's crazy to think how little came of those yeah, guys. <laughs> but, just say. Uh, you know, you, you, you can you can talk about drafting and development all you want, but that's a perfect example of how it's still way crazy to to be certain about two, two, two out of four though is is pretty decent. You have to give you know, Delarose has played quite a bit in the NHL and always like yeah, he's an NHL player. Yeah, and you know, credit to Zach Fukali, right? He kind of rebuilt his career. Yeah, a little bit. You know, he's. And Riway um, was called out for, or not called out, but he, he had a terrible illness yeah. that, that put an mm-hmm. end to his career. That's yeah. The, there's there's not much you can do, <laughs> something like that, right? Like that, that you know that that's the whole thing. And and uh, obviously Lekkinen has been playing well as well. Yeah, but but also also considering someone like Fukali, we, we've seen just in the last few years how how late many goalies develop. We've seen mm-hmm. Jack Campbell, Jordan Bennington, Chris Reedger just you know bounce up and down through the uh, like through the different Absolutely, leagues yeah. even being down in the ECHL and then you just like bounce up you get your chance in the NHL and you take it so uh, so like hope is hope is never dead when it comes to NHL goalies really. uh, and we're gonna finish the podcast here even if we haven't even managed to talk about the McNiven interview but we'll yeah. save that for another day <laughs> speaking of late living goalies yeah, yeah I was just gonna say <laughs> uh yeah I mean yeah look look um just quickly on that uh I don't blame Michael McNiven um, I'm sure he regrets how he said it, uh, but I don't think you can really say he's wrong. And I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I, I mean, I can see where he's coming from. I've talked to Michael McNiven a lot of times. I've talked to the reporters who asked those questions. 
I know exactly how it went. And, and it's, it's unfortunate that it went out that way. And, you know, he, he sat down for a couple of games because of it, but at the same time, um, I, I think he, look, he put his hat in his ring in the ring and, you know, I'm sure he's not happy with the game he played on, on Saturday, which is his first start since he gave up six goals, not, not, you know, he made some good saves. It wasn't all his fault, but I'm sure he would have liked a better performance to back up his words. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, uh, just it never, never, uh, drama never, uh, uh, waits in Montreal, right? There's, there's always something. And you listen uh, to Jared Book with his delightful insights into everything. You listen to Anton Drossegård in Wales. Who is, uh, are you going back home to Sweden to watch Malmö Chelsea? Uh, I am not. Right. I am not. I, I've already seen Chelsea Malmö here, so that's enough. Yeah, well, you've got to see some goals. Uh, thank you both for joining. Um, I'm Patrick Bexel, and uh, please listen to the bottom six minutes. Listen to our podcast that is in regards to everything Montreal Canadiens. Uh, it is the dispatch. It is the top 25 under 25. Uh, it is, yeah, it is this. It is the absent-minded. <laughs> thank you, guys. <laughs> Even if the team is bad, the content is great. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.